Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with a brand new episode. This week, we will continue our journey through Jonah, looking and examining this minor prophet, and we will see connections again between uh, the story of Jonah and the life of Jesus Uh, Jonah is a great example of a type of a Jesus to come, uh, not because of his disobedience, but because of what uh, he does through this journey, being in the belly of the fish for three days, preaching repentance to uh, the Assyrians in Nineveh. Uh, All of these people uh, through the Old Testament, all these prophets are always pointing us to Christ, and we see the fulfillment of that in the New Testament. And so it's only natural that we try to highlight and demonstrate these connections for you uh, as often as possible in hopes that you'll get something more out of the text, something a little bit deeper, something a little bit more rich. So uh, we are going to probably finish up Jonah today. It's a, a very short third chapter and a pretty short fourth chapter. Uh, in fact, there's only uh, 10 verses in chapter three, and then we have uh, 11 verses in chapter four. So very short uh, remainder. So I think we'll finish this story up today, and then we will move into another minor prophet next week with the introductory episode. And, and I kind of like doing these two chapter a week episodes. Um, I try to want to keep them in that 30 minute marker though for you, but I, I think it helps us to move through the text and it helps us to, uh, still walk through it as well. And we are again, accomplishing everything that we set out to do. So as Friday shows generally go, this is my, uh, couple minutes of bantering, uh, Tuesdays, I just dig right into it um, because there's just so much material to handle and we don't want to bore you with all the uh, stuff twice a week. So I just give it to you on Fridays, which uh, basically is this. If you want to join us 
this community and undying light and you want your uh, episodes early, you want uh, access to Bible studies, you want access to notes, sermon notes, schoolwork, uh, other things that I write and dabble in, join us for as little as a dollar a month or $10 and some change for a whole year. You can give more, but all I ask is a dollar for you to join and you'll get access to everything that I post. For instance, this episode is going to air uh, on, let's see my calendar here, April 22nd, and today is the 17th. It's Easter. I'm recording on Easter, I know. Not not my highlights of days, but uh, I have a busy week ahead of me, and uh, this is about the only time I can etch into it. So hanging out with me today in the studio is my lovely daughter. She's over there on the couch watching TV, and uh, so... As always, this is a family podcast. Eventually, I'll like to get the kids on here uh, to talk about their faith and what they, you know, maybe ask pastor dad some questions type things. So uh, I look forward to those uh, days to come. But anyways, I can, you know, talk about that stuff all day long. I love my kids. So, um, but what I want to get back to the topic at hand, and that's the, you know, the, the bantering and rant and, and rambling on that I do. Uh, I really want you to understand that when I talk or, or do my sales pitch for the patron, it, it's because I do so much work outside of this podcast that I would love for you to join us. And we get so many that do. So it's patron.com forward slash undying light, and you'll be able to see all of the work that we do. So I just am really, you know, <laughs> I'm really passionate about it because uh, I've made some wonderful friendships, some absolutely amazing people I have met on this journey. And and to be honest with you, if it wasn't for the patron, I probably wouldn't know most of these people. And and I got to tell you, I am thoroughly blessed, honored, and, and, and speechless half the time because of just how amazing these people are. And so for all you patrons, I love you guys so much. You are just truly amazing people. So thank you for the support of this show. You guys keep this show running and I am so blessed and honored for you. Uh, another side note we're doing is we are going to venture out onto TikTok a little bit, but not really full capacity. Uh, what we'll be doing is sharing clips of the show uh, over the course of the week. So each show will have a short clip on our TikTok page and I, it's it's titled right now you could find me on TikTok and again I don't use it or I haven't used it in a long time uh, but as a uh, as Pastor Alex Inc uh, I am thinking about changing that to be uh, more around um, you know Undying Light and make that the the page image going forward uh, I I just started doing this like yesterday I put out a clip from Friday's show and. I, you know, maybe it'll draw people that had never heard of my show before. I don't know. Um, you know, the clip has 700 views on it, so that's pretty promising for, you know, a, a, a tiny little TikTok page that I don't ever use. So that's there. Uh, again, I haven't decided where I'm going to turn with it yet, but uh, we'll see how the time plays out. Also, uh, we've got some really wonderful guests coming on the show, uh, two of which are uh, Lutheran theologians, and I'm not going to give names just away yet, but we will be discussing uh, as a continuation in the Lutheran series around certain aspects. Uh, one of them uh, we've had on the show before, and one will be a new guest. 
and I'm very excited for both of these gentlemen. Uh, they are, have been instrumental and inspiring to me on my journey. And so I hope we are, uh, we bring some really rich and wonderful content to your, to your ears. Uh, the other guest, so we've got three guests lined up. The other guest is going to come on and we're going to talk about his book and his journey, uh, through and into ministry. Uh, he's also an author and a writer and he hosts a wonderful blog. So we will, uh, touch base on that. I think we're going to record next week. And so as soon as I have more information around that, uh, I will be sharing that. So those episodes, I think, are going to probably drop sometime at the end of May, early June, depending on how I structure things. I would like the two Lutheran ones to kind of coincide with the, um, you know, the Lutheran series, but I want to go through the sacrament series first, and and that could take us eight to twelve more uh, weeks because I've got seven already, and it, we could be at you know, I'm going to do uh, an eighth episode on. This, on baptism, and then I can turn and do you know eight episodes on <clears throat> on the Lord's Supper. I don't know if it'll quite take eight, but we will uh, certainly uh, have two or four episodes for sure. Is what I have in my mind mapped out right now. So a lot coming at you, uh, a lot of work that we're pouring into this. And again, if you want to help support the show, if you've been edified, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the content, please join us on Patreon. And you'll get access to everything, including our Discord server where we talk and have all sorts of different discussions. We do Secret Santa, all this wonderful things. Again, it's a community. It is not just you merely, you know, throwing a couple dollars at a show and you get some, you know, kind of perks. Like we are building and cultivating a community of like-minded believers across multiple denominations. You don't have to be Lutheran. You could be a Baptist. You could be a Calvinist. You could be a Presbyterian. You could be, you know, a Messianic Jew. You could be a Roman Catholic. I don't care but we will share the gospel with you nonetheless and have wonderful conversations. So there's my rambling for the day. Again, everything uh, I do is brought to you by Logos Bible Software. You can get yourself a copy, logos.com, L-O-G-O-S.com forward slash undying light. Get yourself a package through the month of April. You can get 20% off. I had just upgraded a package uh, to my Lutheran set and I got an extra couple hundred books in there. So I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, big discounts, so uh, go check it out and use my link, and you'll get the 20% off uh, all of the packages through the month of April. Uh, Beyond that, guys, that's it. Let's dig into the material. We are in Jonah chapter 3. Last Friday, we worked through chapters 1 and 2, and then we looked at the end of 1 and all of 2 in relationship to uh, the death of Christ on the cross. And so we had a little bit of a Good Friday episode in there as well. And I'm very excited, and I, I was really excited about this, uh, you know, kind of working that together. I had reached out to a couple of my patrons and asked them, hey, you know, what are your thoughts about this? Should I pause this series on Jonah and do a Good Friday episode, or should I incorporate that into the Jonah episode and do like a two-parter? Um, and I was really at a good spot where I could carry the theme into Good Friday um, as Jesus had given us that wonderful message that uh, connects us back to Jonah chapters 1 and 2. So it's been a wonderful blessing to be working through this book, and again, I am very excited. I hope we can just wrap this up today, uh, but we shall see how time gives us. And, and again, I don't want to rush it, but I do want to kind of not linger on things. So let's dig into the word. Uh, Let's see what 
uh, Jonah has for us for this week's episode. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth, and let them call out to the almighty God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, he, how they turned from their evil, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them, but he did not do it to them. All right. So we now have Jonah. Uh, if we left him off being uh, spit out onto uh, land at the end of chapter 2, it says uh, in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Uh, this is, uh, or would have been close to Nineveh by now, uh, that the fish had taken him to. And so uh, he's given this direction, go, arise, and go to Nineveh. This is the second time God is making a new beginning with Jonah, giving him a second chance. Again, we see the first account of Jonah in chapter 1 being disobedient to God. And God, you could call it punishment. I don't I don't necessarily think that, think it would be kind of a punishment, but it can be. But God does chastise him, I think is probably a better word, uh, corrects him, uh, adjusts Jonah's behavior. Uh, but Jonah still is kind of in this whirlwind of emotion because he doesn't think the Ninevites deserve repentance. Uh, In fact, all he says here in chapter three is yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now we don't know what else he preached to them in this particular uh, chapter, but we know that it's just these few words and we know that he probably preached more things. He goes a day's journey into the city. It takes three days to go through it. He goes a day's journey. So he's a third of the way through the city and he starts preaching this message that in 40 days, your city is going to be overthrown. This is a very similar instance to the, the conversation of Sodom and Gomorrah and various other places. But the message that God told Jonah to deliver may be understood in two ways. Jonah hoped that Nineveh would be overturned in destruction. This was, again, what we've talked about last week, where Jonah was very um, salty, if you would, against the Ninevites. He hopes that God will destroy them. Instead, the city was overturned in repentance and faith. God then overturned his decision for judgment and granted them mercy. Nineveh changed and God changed his judgment, but Jonah did not. After Jonah delivered God's message, 
Nothing more is heard of him in chapter three, right? If you remember that, nothing else is said about him because as soon as he makes that phrase, that comment, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, he turn or the text turns direction and it goes to the people of Nineveh. They become the doers now in the text and we have them believing in God. They put forth a fast, they put on sackcloth, and then we get to the king here in verse six who receives the message, repents, covers himself with sackcloth, and sits in ashes. And so the, the ashes are an interesting uh, symbolic, symbolic, uh, symbolical uh, form to an understanding of repentance, right? We repent in sackcloth and ash. And it's a means to call us back to the garden where we were created in the image of God, but from dust we come and to dust we shall return. And so this is why Ash Wednesday is an important element into the season of Lent for Christians because it is a time of repentance for the Christian, for the Lutheran more or less. And Ash Wednesday allows us to be reminded that we are but dust and uh, to the ground we will return someday. So there's a lot of heavy symbology used when it comes to covering oneself with sackcloth and ash. But let's get... Back to verse 5 here, These uh, they, they believed in God. This Holy Spirit's working through the word, convinces the people of Nineveh that God would indeed overthrow their city if they did not repent. This miracle faith was even greater than Jonah's rescue by the great fish. Here's what Clement says. Uh, make sure I get the right Clement. Clement of Rome, first epistle. says, Jonah proclaimed destruction to the Ninevites, but they, repenting of their sins, obtained salvation. Although they were aliens to the covenant of God, And I really like this again. So this is a greater miracle than Jonah being swallowed up by the fish. This miracle of faith is even greater than Jonah's rescue by the fish. Why? Because these individuals were aliens to the covenant of God that God had given to the nation of Israel, starting with Abraham and going through his descendants. They were alien to that. They had no partaking in any of that. In fact, they had been hostile to God every step in their history until this moment. And God allows them to repent. So this is an interesting notion because see, no, we, we see it happen sporadically through the old Testament, but the, the way the Jews would have us believe, and, and I'm going to take a stab on this one here is they would have us believe that they were God's because they were God's chosen people. Only they deserve the message. And you see that echoed with how Paul takes on the Jewish mindset when he writes the uh, letter to the church in Rome. And he laments over the Jews who have rejected the gospel. He laments over the fact that they think in their, you know, selfish ideological system that they are the only ones and God will you know, never pass over them. And, and the gospel then wouldn't be for anybody except uh, a descendant of the 12 tribes. And we see this play out throughout the old Testament where God allows people from outside of the covenant to be saved and reconciled to him. And Nineveh is a great screaming example of that. And we don't hear a lot of people harping on this. Like this is an, this is an amazing act by God to allow people who were not deserving of 
salvation to come to salvation. In fact, even the Jews were not worthy of salvation, but God yet granted salvation to many of the Jews. So the text in verse five tells us that every level from the greatest to the least of them uh, receives this message. They fast and um, put on the sackcloth. Every level of Ninevite society responds to God's word. Their quick response is in stark contrast to Israel's frequent hardness of heart. This is what Luther says. He says, take note that the people of Nineveh do some things that God does not command them. Yet Jonah relates this. For instance, they fast and put on sackcloth. What does God care about fasting and sackcloth? He wants the heart. He wants to see a person's whole life transformed. Also, God did not demand these things from them through Jonah. All he asked them to do was cease from their villainy. Jonah does not praise their fasting and their sack. Jonah does not praise their fasting and their sackcloth later on, but he reports that they turned from their evil ways. So before we get back to the king, I want to summarize verses one through five for us so we kind of uh, can pen, pencil this in. It's, we have God is concerned for all people, even those who we might write off. The people of Nineveh hardly seem like good prospects. However, the message they hear is from God, and God makes sure that it bears fruit of repentance. Do you assume some people are unable or unwilling to respond to the gospel? Leave conversation in God's hands and faithfully fulfill your role as his witness. He has promised that his word will bear fruit. He is concerned that all people will have the opportunity to be saved. So thank God he, uh, his word bore the fruit of repentance in Nineveh and also in your life. And again, I think this is a crucial piece that connects us to how Paul took on his ministry, where he went into the Gentile lands and preached the gospel. This was, this was an incredibly rare situation uh, that a Jewish prophet more or less, would be sent to a Gentile land in preaching repentance. So now we get to this king of Nineveh in verse 6, and we see that he receives this message, probably messengers bringing him uh, this news of what this prophet is doing, and he sits in ashes. And even the king vacated the honor of his throne and joins his people in this expression of repentance. Then he goes on to issue this proclamation stating exactly what all of these people should do, uh, this including the animals, because it underscores the urgency for repentance. Then we get to this uh, verse 8 where we have the mighty uh, call out to God. And this is un- uh, in a contrast, if you would, to the sailors who called out to the Lord back in chapter 1. Uh, the king uses the general divine term for God when ordering his people to pray. Uh, But we do see Jonah acknowledging uh, that they did turn from their sin to trust in God's judgment. So the Assyrian king and the citizens hoped God would change his mind, show mercy, and withhold judgment. The pagan sailors had also expressed this hope. The Ninevites understood that they deserved God's punishment. Luther says this, a truly contrite heart wrestles with fear and with doubt. If there were no faith, it would never be able to stand its ground in the struggle and distress. Therefore, these words are rather uh, are rather evidence of faith, but of a faith that trembles with fear 
and that still contends for mastery, but that all the while keeps God's grace before its eyes, saying, God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger, etc. That is, grace still hovers in the background, and all is not wrath. And then we get to, obviously, this um, famous verse that a lot of people like to harp on, but this is simply God relent, relented, changes his mind, essentially. Um, as he gave Jonah this warning, it doesn't mean that the course that God is going on is going to be destruction, but then he changes his direction and doesn't bring destruction. God gives us warnings and he gives us this. If you continue on this path, I will have to bring my wrath against you. But if you repent, I will withhold my wrath. And that is exactly what happens. If the Ninevites had not repented, God would have destroyed them. The Ninevites, by their repentance, all of repentance were reconciled, all of repentance were reconciled to God and received favor that the city was not destroyed. So Jesus declares that the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment and condemn. His own generation of hearers who failed to repent in Matthew chapter 12, God continues to call us to repentance for our sins of thought, word, and deed. The men of Nineveh furnish us with an example to follow. May they not condemn us on the day of judgment. May the Holy Spirit rather lead us to daily lead us daily to repent of our sins and trust Christ for pardon and peace. That concludes chapter 3. So again, a lot happening here, uh, but we are just kind of cruising through the text and uh, working to wrap this up. Uh, as we can. Here is chapter four now. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is it not this what I said when I was in my yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it, under the shade, until he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that he might be that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed the scorching east wind and the sun to beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for this plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came up into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? So we have God ending <clears throat> this discussion with that. This is the end of Jonah. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the end of chapter four. There's no more given to us here. And so God leaves us with this question that is hanging around our 
minds as we read this passage. So let's uh, dig into chapter four a little bit as we wrap out the end of the show. So we have verse one kicking off with Jonah being again angry. He's displeased. This is nothing new. He's kind of carried an attitude with him this entire time. Uh, And it became evil to Jonah as a great evil, as would be a translation for the displeased Jonah exceedingly. We're not told how Jonah came to realize that God was going to spare Nineveh from destruction. Perhaps 40 days had now elapsed since he had begun preaching that Nineveh would soon be overturned. And Jonah's anger is mentioned several times in this chapter. And it contrasts with God who is slow to anger. And here's what Luther says. We must note, first of all, how wondrous God is in his saints. Least we be tempted to judge and condemn them thoroughly because of any of their actions. This work here may be evil, as indeed it is. But for all of that, I must not displease and reject the person. For if we regard Jonah in this act, we must agree that his actions are surely wrong. For God himself punishes him. And yet he is God's dear child. He chats so unhabitually with God as though he were not in the least afraid of him. As indeed he is not. He confines in him as a father. And so this beautiful and wondrous promise that God is continuing to show, you know, as as Jonah makes this this statement for, I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So Jonah knows this, but it, it still goes against his conscience. He still is fighting this understanding of the mercy that God is bringing and demonstrating. Because he is showing that, once again, salvation is only by the Lord. And salvation only comes when one hears the word preached. That is how faith is given. That's exactly what Paul tells us. If Jonah never went to Nineveh, then the Ninevites would never have been saved because they were never sent a preacher. Jonah's that preacher that Paul gives us a beautiful illustration in Romans chapter 10 for. Jonah goes into this town, he preaches, and then after the 40-day mark or probably at some elapsed amount of time, he finds out that God is going to spare the city, which more than likely was God's plan all along, because if Jonah would be you know, disobedient, he would have sent another prophet. Just as Israel's constantly disobedient, God has to send a correction after them over and over. So he is angry, and he says, it would be better for me to die than to live. This is just a reflection again on Jonah's uh, selfish anger that he would rather die than endure the reality that God had pity for the Ninevites. Then we get to verse 4. God asks this rhetorical question, do you do well to be angry? God gently endeavored to get Jonah to reconsider his attitude. And then we wrap out the end here. Some consider this section, uh, verses 5 through 11, to be a flashback to a time right after Jonah had finished preaching in Nineveh. He had, planted, he had planned to wait out the 40 days in hopes of seeing Nineveh's destruction. This booth that he constructs is temporarily shelter made of branches to protect from the sun and wind. But then God appoints this plant to grow up and provide shade. So the ESV here uh, will suggest a note that it's a possibly a castor oil plant, which can quickly grow to a height of 15 feet. 
But then Jonah's booth by itself was probably not very good at protecting from the sun. So God appoints this plant to which then God turns and appointed a worm to it to destroy the plant. And then God brings down essentially some judgment upon Jonah. He appoints a scorching east wind and the sun beats down. God made Jonah miserable, so miserable and so much feeling faint that he wished to die. God is setting the stage again to challenge Jonah's attitude towards Nineveh. This is a repeat of Jonah's words. It is better for me to die, as he says back in verse 3. But here, his wish is to die is caused by his physical wretchedness. God's question is a repeat of the one here. If we go down to verse nine, verse 9, this is a repeat of verse 4 except with the mention of the plant. Yes, I do well to be angry. Jonah's extreme anger was the result of an inconsequential event, the death of a plant, to which he has no ability to take any credit for. It only had temporary value. Jonah wanted things his way, even if it was not a part of God's plan, or even if it intervened with God's grace. Jonah's concern compared poorly to God's concern for Nineveh. Jonah was preoccupied with his own condition and the fate of a plant, while God was concerned with the condition and fate of human beings. And then as we wrap this out, we have God leaving this final question that is left unanswered. We do not know if Jonah's attitude towards Nineveh ever changes. This makes the story a challenge for us. It is, it is a reminder that God has every right to show mercy on whom he wishes we dare not to demand that God would favor us and not others. This word pity is often used in the you know announcement towards those that God is delivering salvation to. God is having pity upon these people. But it's used uh, commonly in a negative frame. The Lord tells Israel repeatedly not to show pity on the Canaanites. But here we have God showing pity on Nineveh. So chapter four, Jonah has a precious opportunity to preach God's word to Nineveh, but his heart is not in it. He does not seem to understand the extent of God's concern for people who are enemies of Israel. And he hopes that that misfortune will actually do in fact come to them. We have an immense privilege of sharing God's law and gospel with the world around us. We have opportunities to be a part of his plans May we never be found guilty of neglecting our mission to make disciples of all nations. Praise God. He did not neglect us, but appointed his only begotten son as our savior. And we conclude our time with Jonah with that. I hope that this brief walkthrough of this amazing book helped you to understand the fullness and completeness of all things that we see that God is doing to us and for us and through us. And this is just the beginnings, if you would, of all of the wondrous, uh, gracious mercy that he bestows upon his people. So thank you for tuning in. I will see you all on Tuesday's episode as we will begin our sacrament or we will continue the sacrament series. And by, well, I'm trying to think of when this airs, <laughs> it will be, uh, towards the um, 
If it, this airs Friday, my apologies, Tuesday will be part one of the sacrament series, and we will be talking about sacraments and ordinances. I have a lot of shows in the bank that I've saved up, so i got to kind of figure out where my brain is at. So, guys, tune in Tuesday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Get to church, worship God, and partake in the bread and wine if possible, and be reminded that we serve a God that comes to us. Until next time, God bless. We'll see you later. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.